The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Good morning again, everybody. Um, this morning, by the grace of God, we are starting a new series that we've titled Gold and Silver. This is actually season two, you know, and part one of Gold and Silver. If you remember last year, we, we, we talked about silver and gold, you know, and, um, and, and it's pretty much the same thing, but we just decided to put gold before silver this time, and it's gold and silver. Gold and silver. The world, so many things are changing rapidly. So many things, even things that we could never have imagined are changing. Changing at a pace that, you know, we are trying to catch up with. A lot of the changes are good changes, you know. A lot of the changes are not so, so good. It's good that you can have information here and we can be having service here and, you know, people are joining us live from, from Cape Town, um, South Africa, from Canada, from um, Calabar, from all over the world, over the internet, and people are actually giving their lives to Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Huge, huge change. So if you insist on doing things the old way and not adapt to the new changes, you are going to be obsolete very soon. If you, as a church, if churches, I mean, if, if churches don't, don't evolve and embrace the changes that are great and obviously God sent, the church is going to be behind. Just like when the printing press was the newest technology. The church was, the, the first thing that was printed in the printed press was the Bible. Did you know that? The church was on top of it. When telegraph came, the church was ahead. When um, telephone came, the church slowed down a little bit. When the internet came, the church slowed down much more. But the church needs to be ahead of technology. Do I get an amen? amen? Also, there are negative things that do happen, that changes, that, you know, we should have nothing to do with. And sometimes they are going also so fast. Changes that children in some times are being told you can decide to be a boy or you can decide to be a girl depending on how you feel inside, not depending on, how, on your, your physiology, on how you were born, your biology rather, on how you were born. Yeah, um, on, on, on how you were born, but you, you can you can. You can feel like a girl, even though you're a, you're a teenager, you're a boy, your voice has cracked, but you're feeling like a girl. They should respect you, and you can be going around, you know, and, you know, wiggling your, <laughs> what you don't even have, <laughs> and, and try to be, and try to be gay. So, so, you know, things, why things are changing so fast, you know, and I like how, my rabbi puts it. It, 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 it says this. I mean, you know I have a rabbi. <laughs> you know, and he puts it this way. And he says that when the more the world changes, the more we take or we should take refuge in the things that do not change. The more the world changes, the more we should take refuge in the things that do not change. There are things that don't change, that do not change. They last forever. They are eternal. When we take refuge in the things that do not change, our lives are secure. Our lives are safe. The rock of ages does not change. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we can connect to the things that do not say, change, our lives remains constant. And it's all about the fundamentals. So we are back to the fundamentals. So no matter how um, fast technology goes, no matter how 
developed science is, it's still all about the fundamentals. It's still all about the fundamentals. Addition, subtraction, division, multiplication. It's still all about the fundamentals. And when it comes to gold and silver, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to things that has to do with prospering, there are a lot of theories out there. You know, there are a lot of changes that, are, that has happened. And you have to be rooted in the fundamentals for you to be all that God wants you to be. You need to get your fundamentals sorted out because there are certain things that are juicy to the ears, but they are fundamentally faulty. Fundamentally faulty. There are things that, that have swayed people off the path that God has put them in. Why? Because the people were not fundamentally sound. It is all about the fundamentals. So, for instance, the, the, the very fundamental question. If people can't even really answer this question. If you, if you ask someone, um, does God want you to be rich? Ask a Christian, does God want you to be rich? Hmm. Hmm. Does God want you to be rich? Does God want everybody to be rich? Should everybody be rich? Are you sure? <laughs> some people are quiet. Some people are saying yes. Some people are saying no. Some people are saying, Pastor, that's why we are here. Will you preach what you have to preach and let us <laughs> tell us what it is? I've heard respected men of God say things about finances that are fundamentally wrong. Fundamentally zero. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand the fundamentals. And if you don't understand the fundamentals, and it is, if it's just what... Okay, I was listening to a video, and, and the guy was talking about how um, prosperity... You know, obviously, I mean, some people just make it about prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. It can't be only about prosperity. It's about Jesus. Praise the Lord. And because they don't understand the fundamentals, they go off on a tangent, and they make well-meaning Christians turn their back on prospering. Then they are suffering, and they are wondering what is going on. On one hand. On the other hand, they make well-meaning Christians go and live in error. Thinking that is the right thing to do because a prosperity preacher has said it. And because they are in error, they are disappointed because they have received breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. They have drank the anointing oil of breakthrough. They have been baptized and they have their bath in the oil of breakthrough. Yet there's no breakthrough. And a lot of people are disappointed. A lot of people almost losing their minds. Some people are, you know, the video actually, actually so was talking about even pastors that are committing suicide because they're frustrated. So if you must do well, you have to get your fundamentals right. What I have seen, and this is a big burden for me because if, if you get this as a believer, your life will be glorious. Your life will attract people to God. People will look at you and say, we want to serve your God. I've seen people go on national TV and they're a very great guy. You know, I mean, it's, it's sound in, in healing, sound in other, well, I guess, you know. And they asked him about, I mean, why do Christians, why should a Christian want to prosper? What is the basis for Christian prosperity, you know? If a Christian should prosper at all. And, and, and he quoted um, Todd John 2. 
I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And I cringed because that is fundamentally zero. Wrong. That is not the basis. That is an offshoot of the foundation. But that is not the foundation for a Christian to prosper. Praise the name of the Lord. Ah. So, and I'm, I'm wondering how many people have run off, have heard someone that I respect a lot. This guy understands Christian prosperity, understands it. Believe me, if I mention his name, you know him. In this country, it's, it's very, very vocal. And I heard him say almost over 15 years ago, I heard him say, I can never be poor. You probably know who I'm talking about. And then I sat down. I read all his books on Christmas prosperity. I said, this guy understands it. He gets it. But guess what? There are a lot of other pastors that see him as a mentor. They don't understand what he understands. They are coming and they say, I can never be poor. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. When your car speaks to you, And you start, I say, you know. So the problem is that I've seen, another problem I've seen is second hand revelation. So you have a Moses that has been to the mountaintop. And it's good for Moses to go to the mountaintop and hand down the law. That's fantastic. That is huge. That is beautiful. But the errors of this world must engage that world and make it their own. And the world has to become flesh and blood to them. But if Aaron doesn't do that, before Moses comes down, Aaron will convert the gold to an idol for the people to worship. Meanwhile, what created the gold, Aaron doesn't understand it. So he says, I will make you an idol that will take you back, instead of, I mean, that, that you can worship, that you got from you. And, and God was, I mean, obviously, God was upset. Moses was upset. Everybody was upset. You know? So, you must have first-hand information. You will be taught by the grace of God. You have to go with this word. You have to sit down with it. You have to wrestle with it until you can come out of that room knowing I can never be poor again. <laughs> you don't hear me say it because I will say it. Because of what it can create in people. But should I tell you the truth? I can never be poor again. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. When I got that revelation, my financial problems were still there. But as day followed night, the same way darkness cannot resist the intensity of light, as I began to glow in that revelation, poverty began to pack its bag and go. If you understand what I'm going to teach you today, it's going to change your life. Oh, this season. Um, by the grace of God, you know, you know uh, uh, someone sent me a text after try, oh, that you looked really tired. I broke out in, what's, what's called this, uh, uh, blisters, cold sores, you know, I've been sneezing, I'm losing. I should be out, I should be resting right now, but I feel, honestly, amongst other, all, other factors, you know, I, I could get other people to, to preach on, on Sunday until, you know, I, I'm back. But I feel that we should hear this. I feel 
Hallelujah. When you look at Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, I think, chapter 15, verse 4, God put his heart, his intention down to his people. The Old Testament is a shadow of the new. So the people of God in the Old Testament is Israel. The people of God in the New Testament is the church. So it says, this is God saying, there should be no poor among you for, why should there be no poor among you? For the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. So God's heart is, even as it is stated in Third John 2, I wish above all things that you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I want you to prosper in your soul spiritually. I want you to be in health physically. I don't want to be servicing some ailments. I want to be completely healed. But I also want you to prosper financially. That's his, that's his heart. Again, that's not the basis for it. But that's his intention. I wish. That's his wish. That's, that's his. There should be. There should be no poor. There should be. It's different from there must not be. There should be means as provision such that no one will lack. And if you see 2 Corinthians 9, you know, because some people, except you show them in the New Testament, they will tell you it's not, it doesn't apply to Christians. It's a big, which is a big deception. It's a huge deception because they don't understand what the law is, what, 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 what scriptures are, and how to re- inter- interact with what is known as the new covenant and the old covenant. But I've taught you guys all that before, right? So um, we, are, we are not focusing on that. It says in 2 Corinthians 2, 9, 2, 9, 8, it says, and God will generously provide all your needs. How, how will he provide it? Stingingly. Generously provide all your needs. In what way? That you will always have everything you need and manage the rest of your life. That you might always have everything you need and just be, you know, after all, we are not begging. No. No. You have to, you have to revolt against that. Against the scarcity mentality, the manage, manage. You have to revolt against it. You have to say No. Good. He says, <laughs> then you will have everything you need and a few left over. What does plenty mean? You go to school, you go to school. Plenty left over for what purpose? To share with others. May you be the one that will be sharing with others. In the name of Jesus. Oh yes. May it be your portion. That it it will flow from you. To others in the name of Jesus. You say, but pastor, why, why, um, shouldn't God just say that? Everybody should prosper. We are going to see in a bit. But another question, apart from the question of does God want you to prosper, I'm sure you have the answer to that already. Good. Another question that kind of irritates me, which is a, a fallout of that, is, is I've, I've heard, uh, so the question is that, that, you know, does a lady That wants single lady that wants a man that has a good source of income. Does that make that lady a gold digger? Ah, 
Why is that important? People have said that you should do it for love. Your eye will clear. Criticizing, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, should the guy be a billionaire? Not necessarily. If you have some sense, if you will go and marry a well, except God, it's God's will for you, you go and marry a billionaire if you have any sense. When you're, a, when you're a young single lady, I'm not talking about a young single lady, let me say why. Okay. <clears throat> I said, except that is the person for you. When you're a young single lady, again, We've not even entered this meat of this thing. <sighs> I, I strongly believe if you check scriptures and if you check the word that doesn't change, that women should get married in their early 20s. There goes the silence. Build your family before you build a career. For a woman. They've turned it upside down. You want to build a career. Then you, you are, they are, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, I know, I know that it doesn't work out for everybody like that. No, so I'm not, you know, judging people that are older and they're not married. That's not, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if they had entered their night, their the, the end of their teenage years, understanding that the next four years, they need to trust God for a good man and start a family, their lives would have changed. But they, don't, they didn't know. And the society told them it was okay. Female power. Ah, how did I get there? Back on track, back on track. Pastor, so you are saying 21, 22, 24 years old to get married? Absolutely. So, so if you are not getting married at 21, 24, 21, 22, 20, 24, you're starting your family early, and you, and, you, and you are looking for a billionaire, something's wrong with you. So, so you see where I'm coming from. So if, 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 you, if you actually do marry a billionaire at that point, you'll you be eternally useless to the person. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is this. Get a man that have a good source of income and, a, and has a passion, an appetite for progress and success, you'll be okay. <laughs> if you get a man that has a good job and doesn't have an appetite, when he loses his job, he's going to sit at home and say, ah, you be when I was working. And you can do that for the next 40 years. You know some things you only know by passage of time. So when I'm telling you something, listen to me. Because, <laughs> because I had the privilege of growing up with an old woman. Uh, okay, let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. Deuteronomy 15. By the time we get to verse 11... You know, it, it says, this is God. The same chapter. God is saying, there will always be poor people in the land. Can you look at that? In verse 4, it says, there should not be. By the time you get to verse 11, it says, there will what? Always be. Make up your mind that I, I will not be among the poor people. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. See yourself in verse 4. 
you will prosper in the land that your God has given you. But he says to you, for those of us that ask plenty extra, I command you to what? To give freely to your neighbors. We no get money. Give them. To the poor and needy in the land. Give them. So some people say, oh, but I, I, you know, this God says that we should take care of the poor. We are the poor. Pastor, take care of. My response is there. It's simple. It's simple. As harsh as it may sound. Is it that you learn, uh, should I say this? It's either you begin to engage on how to come to this side or you get out of God's service house. Okay, Pastor, did Jesus not take care of the poor? Did, did God not say, we should. We will go and meet them, take care of them. Now teach them these things. Then they will become wealthy. Then they will now begin to take care of other people. We, we are not interested in professional poverty. Some people are professionally poor. That's their profession. I know I'm not sounding like a pastor. Am I? Okay, so, so let's go quickly. Ah, jet speed. You need to align your thinking about wealth with God's thinking about wealth. So it's all about the fundamentals. Second Peter 1, 2 says that you may, have, you may grow more and more in the grace and peace of God as you grow in your knowledge. It's all about the fundamentals. So the question is, what do I need to know fundamentally about gold and silver? What fundamentals do I need to lock down about wealth, about gold and silver? What fundamentals do I need to lock down? We're going to share two today. And because they are fundamentals, with every fundamental, there's a um, tendency to disdain fundamentals. You know, again, I like to use sports. If you're a sports person, in soccer, there are certain fundamentals. There are certain fundamentals. In tennis, there are fundamentals. In golf, there are fundamentals. But because the fundamentals can look basic, we tend to rush because we want results. We, we tend to rush and ignore them. But if you do, you are going to, you, you, you are going to um, limit how far you can go. Same thing with life. Same thing with wealth. So the first fundamental you need to lock down and you need to know is this. This is so important. So it's huge. And it's the number one contender with God for your heart is money, not the devil. Not the devil. The number one, the devil uses this obviously. The number one contender, Exodus 20, 23, it says, remember, you must not make any idol of silver and gold to rival me. The number one contender, where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be. So, the number one contender for your heart with God is money. If you understand that, it's a fundamental as a Christian, you will do well because when you become prosperous, if you understand what I'm going to teach you about, about this, money will not steal your heart away from God. And that is one of the greatest destruction of a lot of people, Christians. Because you will see a good guy or woman serving God, being diligent, operating these principles, the heavens begin to open Small, small gold begins to come in, then they will <clears throat> arrogance will come. I'm like, don't you understand? You're just getting coins. 
you understand that the number one contender is money. And you see, it, 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 all, it really does not matter what you own or what you don't own. The only thing that matters is who owns you. It doesn't matter if you have $10 billion in your account or if you have $10,000 in your account. If you know that it really doesn't matter, that what matters is that I belong to Jesus, that God owns me, that I belong to God, that is who I am. In Matthew 6, 24, Matthew 6 from verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to to money. Other translations put it as mammon. Guess what? The literal, I've, 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 done, I've done, done my own work. The literal translation of mammon is money. Just, just money. That's what it means. Of course, there's a spirit behind it because money is spiritual. But it's saying money. You cannot, so you can't serve God and, and money. If you go to the next verse, it, it, it explains that because of this, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, whether you have enough food and drink or clothes to wear. Your life is more than food and your body is more than clothes. God is saying your life is more important than gold and silver. Your life is more important than gold and silver. So what you have or what you don't have does not define who you you are. It does not. You need to settle that in your heart. If what you have changes your behavior, mammon is playing tricks on you. Also, if what you don't have changes your behavior, mammon is playing tricks on you. There are certain men that they are okay when they have average money. When they have a lot of money, they begin to treat their wives like crap. Mammon. And the converse is the case. There are certain men where they're average, they're okay. But when they don't have money, they're very cranky, they're abusive. They are. So it is money that is determining your thermometer, your behavior. Mammon is playing tricks on you. You need to step back and detach yourself. If you're a playful person, whether you have or not, be playful. If you're a jovial person, whether you have or not, be jovial. Continue in your value drawn from your identity from who you are, not from what you have. This is so huge a fundamental. So what, what am I saying? If you think your future is bleak because you are broke, or you think your future is bright because you have gold, mammon is playing tricks on you. Your security is not in what you have. Your security is in who you are. Is in who you are. So what am I saying? I'm saying that if your net worth determines your self-worth, mammon is playing tricks on you. And, you know, what you need to realize is that you, I've, I've thought this for years. You need to realize that I've thought that money is neutral for decades. But the more I, I sit with God, by God's grace, the more I sit with God's word, the more I'm able to, I'm a very introspective person. I'm able to look at life. I'm, I'm, I'm able to look at people's lives. I'm able to check scriptures. I'm able to look at ancient wisdom. My conclusion is money is not altogether neutral. 
Money is not neutral. There's positive, there's negative, the duality of life. I used to say money was neutral. Money is not neutral. So, Pastor, what are you saying? Money is on the negative. Ah. Ah. In fact, in Luke 16, 9, it was these words of Jesus made me struggle. He says, and I say to you, make to yourself friends of mammon of unrighteousness. I'm like, unrighteous money. Jesus sees money as unrighteous. In the natural state, money is not neutral. Money, and I will explain why money is not neutral. Naturally, money takes on, naturally, money takes on the behavior of the person that has it, naturally. And that's why, you know, it's easy to say money is neutral. And that is, that's why I say it's not altogether neutral. You know, I'm not saying categorically it's negative. So, naturally. But, but money is spiritual. Money is not natural. You need to understand that money is not the note in your account. Money is spiritual. Okay. And spiritually, money is not neutral. Money always, always tend to take our hearts away from God. That's the tendency of money. The Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Now, the love of God is the root of all righteousness and goodness in the world, right? The love of something is the root of all the problems in the world. Spiritually, that thing is not neutral. Ah! Spiritually, it is not neutral. It always contains what makes a child that wants to kill his parents, want his parents to die so that he can get their money. Why? Because the love of money. Money has influenced the child negatively. Negatively. So when some people are natural, when they get money in the, and they are natural, it doesn't push them to God by itself. These are fundamentals that you need to understand. It attends to what will make a wife want to poison her husband because she knows he has life insurance and that life insurance has $4 million on his head if he dies. And she looks at him and like, what's your usefulness? Fall down and die. What will make a man begin to behave like a rascal very loving, very doting father, you know. But as soon as millions enters his account, do you know who I am? Don't talk to me like that in this house. Money is not neutral. So, but for us, ah, we have a way, a beautiful way to make our lump, our wealth, holy. So we have a way to make our wealth positive. So as a believer, and when believers don't, because you're a believer and you have wealth, doesn't make that damn wealth not corrode your heart. Praise the name of the Lord. 
It's not a guarantee because money is not neutral spiritually. So how do I get my wealth that is not neutral? How do I make that lump holy and submitted to God? Just one word. It's a five-letter word. And it's called tithe. Everyone say tithe. Now, this is so powerful. In Romans 11, stay with me. This is as a result of hours of struggle and wrestling with God on this matter. For it was opened up to me. Romans 11, 16 says, For if the first fruit, I've explained, the tithe is a type of the first fruit, right? So it's the first 10% of your, of, your, of your increase. So if the first fruit be holy, so by the time you present it to God, it becomes holy. You are saying to God, it is yours, it's not mine. And God receives it. It says the lump also becomes what? It's huge. You know, obviously, a lot of people just type religiously. You don't know why. Da, 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 you know. But you need to understand that and if the root is holy, then also everything else, the branches, which means every investment of that money. Once, as money grows, your money is protected from the influence of Satan. And honestly, then you can begin to understand when God says, when you do it, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Why? Because money automatically attracts devouring spirits. Check how much has gone through your account. Where, where are they today? All the money, where is it? Where is it? A man summed up, we, we had a teaching, he summed up everything that has gone through his account. He said, said to me, he said, he said, Pastor, I sat down. I didn't know when. I just, after a while, I noticed I was sitting on the floor, almost crying. That, where did he all go? <laughs> because he has wings, the Bible says. It, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. When the first fruit is holy, then the lump is holy. Then the, when the, so the lump, the root is holy, then the branches become what? So your wealth now brings you closer to God, not turns you away from God. Ah, praise the name of the Lord. Luke eleven forty two. Jesus was saying, you know, people have contested, oh, Jesus didn't say, read your Bible. Jesus said so. It says, what sorrow are we to Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herbs, your gardens, and, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You tithe, yes. No, 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 bring, bring it back. You should tithe, yes. Who was speaking? Jesus says you should tithe, yes. Then go on. But don't neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice and the love of God. Obviously, your tithe should flow from the love of God. If you don't love, if you don't love God and you're tithing, your tithing is useless. That's what Jesus is saying. If you don't love God and you don't love the justice of God, things of God, and you're tithing, you're wasting your time. But you should tithe after you have loved God and you are committed to his justice. Hebrews 7 verse 4. It says, consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he has taken. Abraham tithed. I mean, because tithing is um, old covenant. It is not. Abraham existed before the old covenant. I'm going to, I pray time allows us, without we get there, I'm trying to get there in this part one. You know? And Abraham tithed 10%. Why a tenth? Why a tenth? If God has asked for 90% or 80% and say, you keep 20, I want 80%, who's going to arrest him? Think about it. Who's going to arrest him? Why a tenth? 
What's the significance of 10? In scriptures, 10 is the number for testing. 10 is the number for testing. The 10 commandments. 10 commandments. The 10 virgins. The 10 virgins. You know the story. It was a test. It was a test. The 10 lepers. Where are they nine? Jesus says, go. He didn't tell them, come back and thank me. It was a test. The 10 plagues that took out Egypt. It was a test. It was a test. God says, test me in this and see. It's a test. It's a test. Am I going to be recognized as your source? Once that happens, the lump is holy. Once that happens, money, your money ceases to be neutral or negative. Your money moves to being positive. Hallelujah. Amen. I saw a video, I mean, some time ago that I forwarded to some people. It's about, um, I guess it's a pastor, I don't know. It was talking about tithing. And um, the one of the people I sent it to sent it to me again, you know. I said, but I sent this thing to you. <laughs> I was like, so, so when he sent it to me again, a few days ago, and I was preparing for this person, I was like, ah, okay, maybe we should show this, you know. Um, maybe it's a message. Maybe we should show it. So let's have the video quickly. Like I said at the beginning, if you don't believe that God is your source, keep your money. Whether you pay tight or not, church will continue to run. You can't stop church from running. And guess what? Everybody pays tight. You either pay to God, you pay to the devil, you pay to your flesh. But where is the money? It's not going to remain with you. But like I was saying earlier, anything that God tells you to bring becomes a point of contention. You can go a whole day without eating. When he tells you to fast, it becomes a point of contention. There are many trees in the garden. He said, this one in the middle, don't touch. The one he told them not to touch is the one they were interested in. God said, bring 10%. 10% becomes big. 10%, you get 100K. 10% is your tithe. That's supposed to be an act of worship. 10% is small when you are in the saloon doing your hair, fixing the hair, and buying nails and buying lashes. 10% is not a problem. 10% is small when you are in a restaurant having a nice meal. But when it's in an envelope as tight, it becomes a point of contention. Why? Because there is something that is attached to acts of worship that the enemy is afraid of. Absolutely and totally. And if you must get a grip of your finances spiritually, you must understand that your tithe is an act of worship that takes your wealth from the domain that Satan has influence over to God's domain. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so we said we are going to do how many fundamentals? Two or one? Two, okay. Number two uh, uh, is this. So, number one is what? The contender, number one contender is money. Number two is the foundation of wealth is the covenant. The foundation of wealth is, is the covenant. Is the covenant. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 12, it says, remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, you were excluded. When you were separated from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship in Israel. When you were not a Christian, you were not an Israeli citizen. It says, you are foreigners to the covenant of promise. Everybody say covenant of promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. It says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have become, have been what? Brought near by the blood of Christ. Brought near into what? Into the covenant of promise, okay? 
brought there into what? Then, if you back up, when you were separated from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship in Israel. When you are now in Christ, you have become what? A citizen of Israel. You are not only a Nigerian citizen. You are actually a citizen of Israel. They don't recognize you. But heaven recognizes you. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, honestly, and this is the word of God. God sees you as a spiritual Jew. What, what, how, is that, how is that a big deal? Why, how is that a big deal? It's a huge deal because the basis for wealth for the natural Jew and the basis for wealth for the spiritual Jew is the same. The Abrahamic covenant is the basis for wealth. Why is Israel so powerful and so prosperous? Why? Why? A small nation, less than Lagos, has economy, the economy that is probably bigger than the whole of Africa, has contributed immensely to humanity. Unbelievable strides. You, I'm sure you've seen videos on, on, on Israel. How are they able to achieve that? Because they operate the Abrahamic covenant as a nation, as a people. And God is saying, when you were separated from Christ, you were separated from this Abrahamic covenant. Now you are in Christ. You are in that covenant. So what does that mean? It means the basis for your wealth Is because you are a child of Abraham. You need, to, you need to rewire your system. Abraham's blessings are mine. You know this song? Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings So true. But many times we don't understand it. But you, today, your understanding will open. Say amen. Come on. In the name of Jesus. So very quickly, we are there anyway. If we look at, uh, some of you have seen this picture before. This explains the timeline of humanity. This is the Adamic line, the black one. Adam started with God. You know this story. God said, okay, get out of my garden, but I'm not going to abandon you forever. I'm going to send my son. He's going to come, bruise the head of the serpent, bring salvation, and on, and on, and on. Down the line, God is always looking for a man. God saw a man whose name was what? Abraham at the time. So God said to him, follow me, Genesis 12. I will make you a great nation. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Through the covenant I'm going to make with you, I'm going to extend that covenant to everyone on earth. But I'm going to start with your family and make your family a nation. So the Abrahamic covenant branched out of the Adamic line. Are you still with me so far? Good. So, but at some point, because the Abrahamic covenant requires a personal relationship with Jehovah. It requires, even though God is dealing with people as a nation, God wanted to have a personal one-on-one with his children, everyone. But with every relationship comes responsibility. And at some point, the children of Israel says, we don't want to be responsible with God as it were. That's the summary of what they said. It was at Sinai, at this point, at Mount Sinai, they said to Moses, you go and hear God. Whatever you tell us, 
He says, we will do. That is the beginning of man being an interception between God and his people. When Jesus came, the veil was torn apart. No man to stand between you and God. Praise the name of God. You have direct access to God. That's why Jesus came. So what is the job of, of pastors? Simple, to tell you what I'm telling you. You have access to God. And I will teach you how to maximize that access. That's my job. Praise the name of the Lord. My job is not to say, I will go to God, all of you, you know. I will be... Uh, uh. A lot of pastors, because of their insecurities, they feel they need to do that. That's not... In fact, the entire place that God has not called them to go. So, that began, that singular act at Sinai began a new covenant, which is the old covenant to us, which is the Mosaic covenant, which is then you have Leviticus, he talks about the ceremonial law, he talks about the civil law, he talks about the moral law, he talks about a lot of laws. And so the Mosaic covenant Continued, but when Jesus came, he put an end to the old covenant, which was what the Mosaic covenant. There is now direct access to the Father through Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So the Mosaic covenant is totally irrelevant. So Jesus cancelled it out here. So when we come to Christ, we boycott and escape the Adamic curse for those of us that were Gentiles. We, and we come into Christ and through Christ we have access to what? To the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant does not expire. The Mosaic covenant expires. Jesus says, the new covenant I'm bringing is to connect you back to the Abrahamic covenant. So the the basis for wealth for a Christian is the fact that you belong to the Abrahamic line of what? The covenant. In Genesis 13, Genesis 13, 2, it says, Abraham was very rich in stocks. Livestock. It's something we didn't even get at. In silver <laughs> and in gold. Who you are is more important than what you have. You are a covenant child. That's who you are. The covenants you have with God through Abraham gives you access to wealth, to silver, and to gold. When, that's the first thing you need to know. When you settle these two fundamentals, listen, listen, it is impossible, and I say this with all humility, I'm saying it from revelation of the word of God, it's impossible for you to remain in poverty. It's impossible. We are going to build on it from next week, and you are going to begin to see why. When you know that, come on, okay, let's say, there was this joke <laughs> that someone was sharing on, on social media that your mom calls you and says, I have news. I'm old. Maybe you're in your 30s or maybe you're 20s, whatever. I don't want to go to my grave with this. Your father is not your father. You know that story, right? 
Your father is not your father. And you're upset. How can you do this? All this my life. Story, 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 story. And you are really upset. He says, but your real dad was talking. I don't want to talk to him. He should get out. Where has he been all this time? Blah, 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 blah. Blow, 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 blow. <laughs> and you are really upset. I don't want to mention guys. <laughs> then, let me use someone that is even richer than him. Then, why are you still angry? You are still upset. They said, Bill Gates wants to talk to you, he's your father. You say, oh, daddy, I love you. <laughs> Where have you been all this time? <laughs> your boy is here. <laughs> when are we coming? When are we coming? When are we coming? Now, you are still wearing the same shirt. And the same t-shirt. And the same... The furniture of your house has not changed. But when you get that news, something changes in you. You know that, ah, bye bye to Jati Jati. <laughs> I'm here to give you that phone call. That Jehovah is on the line. And is your father. Abraham is your father. So it should change everything. So the reason you are not who you should be is because you don't know who you are. You are a covenant child. You belong to the Abrahamic covenant line. The wealth that is accrued to such people is yours. And because of the abundance of gold, silver will become like ordinary stones in your life. Now you are getting that prayer. See why we pray every time? Uh, It's making more sense, right? God is saying to you, I will give to you the treasures of darkness. Amen. The hidden riches of secret places. Amen. Now you are saying why that is going to happen. Because of your bloodline, spiritually. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Because of your bloodline, spiritually. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. I want us to pray quickly. If you are here, you are, you are, you are saying to me, Pastor, ah, I need to receive that phone call. I need to change my location. I cannot say I'm a child of God. You know that you cannot boldly say you're a child of God. Or you used, to, you used to be a child of God. You know that you have abandoned your work with God. And you say, can you pray with me this morning? I want to come back. I am tired. Bye-bye to Jack Jack. I'm tired of this nonsense. Can you pray with me? I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I'll pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me, Pastor. Put up your hand over your head now. And we'll pray together. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother over there. God bless you, my brother. My hand there. And sister. And hand there. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. That is another hand over there. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put another hand and talk to God. I'm about to pray the brief. God bless you, my sister. Right here in front. God bless you. That is me, my brother. God bless you, sir. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. I am not, I cannot say I belong to God. Put up that hand. I will pray together. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Another hand over there. God bless you. That is me. God bless you. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand and talk to God. I'm about to pray in a bit. The rest of us, let's, the, the, the same feeling that you're like, oh, <laughs> that is me. That is me. Oh, that is me. That is my dad. That is the line I am from. That is my dad. Why don't you talk to God? With that same excitement. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you. If, you. if you still want to put up your hand, you can. If you have the card, you can put on your hand. If you still want to put up your hand, you can. And we're about to pray now. Father, we, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory. 
we, we, we pray for everyone that's surrounding to you today. We ask in the name of Jesus the grace to stay and remain connected to this line, covenant line of abundance given to us. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's pray together for the Lord Jesus for his kindness.